Hello then, and welcome to Fuds on Films' first ever commentary. For this, we have picked Martin Scorsese's gangster epic Goodfellas, which is now 25 years old, and we'd like to find out whether it holds up after all that time. 25 years. I remember it when it was just learning to walk. It's first day at school. What a what an emotional moment that was. I remember it's first stabbing. <laughs> I am Scott Morris. I am Craig Eastman. And I am Drew Tavendale. And this we're watching the uh, Blu-ray cut of this, isn't it, Craig? It's the recently released Ultimate. Yeah, it's just the 25th called? anniversary. It's just a new um, 4K scan of the original. Um, uh, as I said, I've I've no idea if the playtime is going to be if the runtime is slightly different. I think there are just a couple of seconds in it, which I don't know if that suggests that Scorsese's um, undertaken any slight changes to the edit when he's done it. I understood it just to be a, a I, remaster, but from what I can tell, the difference between the Blu-ray copy I had already and this 20th anniversary one it is a few seconds. So. That may be an encoding issue. It may be an extra line in the credits, something like that. Yeah, it could just be down to um, additional credits for the remaster. I've not, I've not checked that out. But but if you're watching this at the same time as listening to us, you should see be seeing Henry just opening the boot of the car, um, and you'll know that we're in sync. Ow! So, so, it doesn't mess about, really, does it? The opening <laughs> of this film. No, um, within what that sixty seconds or two minutes now, um, you've got a, a brutal, very very a brutal, brutal stabbing. <laughs> yeah, mm. brutal stabbing followed by a shooting. This film actually had people walk out of this because it was too violent. Which really, seem, it does seem strange given the body count in it is actually not that high, but What's the it? violence is somewhat more. Uh, well, the body the body count the body counts. Probably not even in double figures, right? And of those, we probably only see three or four actual murders take place. Yeah, you see a few yeah. bodies, yeah, after mm. the, the Lufthansa heist. But other than that, yeah, it's... The moments of violence are brutal, but it fits very much with the film, but it's not the most violent film. And, and to think now, 25 years later, that people were walking out of this for the violence seems ridiculous, given mm. what you'd get in a 12 nowadays. Well, I would contrast it to something like, um, I don't know, which came, let's look at something that came sort of five, six years earlier, Robocop, where people walking out of Robocop on mass due to the violence. I mean, I can only assume the difference is that something like Robocop's, you know, clearly almost satirical violence, comic same violence, with yeah. um, Commando and all these ridiculous Arnie films, but yes. this feels quite realistic. Yes. That because, yeah, there's something almost documentarian about the film because it's so much about the kind of warts and all effect of the gangster life and trying to make it look as real as possible. So perhaps there's something to that, but you know, I still don't quite understand what would cause people to walk out. Mm. And they really, um, they're doing themselves a disservice to have done that. I hope, uh, I can't imagine those people haven't come back and watched it again. Surely these people must have come back and watched it since. I it's probably testament to the fact that it's done it's done well and, and kind of responsibly though that it feels more violent than something with a much higher body count because it is kind of very matter of fact and, mm-hmm. and to the point. Um there's no sort of lingering um 
There's no dwelling on the violence. It's some. It's something that happens in these guys' lives on a daily basis, and it's very matter of fact. Yeah, it's, it's very, very mundane. Yeah, violence, uh, which to you, which to you and I, makes it all the more shocking, I suppose. But um, conveys just how, just just how workaday it, it was for um, for these people living this life. Yeah, uh, they just that. That's what they do. Some people go to work and fill in data and computers. These people go to work and occasionally. They just have to, you know, kill somebody, and then they go and mm. have dinner. <laughs> Scott's laughing because he's been there. We've all been there. I've lived in Glasgow for long enough to know the way these things go. Yeah. <laughs> I've moved now, but you can never truly leave. No. You can't get out of that game. You're in the witness protection program now, right? Yes. <laughs> Did a very bad job. Still got the same name. <laughs> Boo. Still got the Facebook. Who's, what were the chances of the random name generator coming up with the same name? <laughs> Nobody thought to double check the paper. It's a very elaborate double bluff. <laughs> the last thing they'd be expecting. Do you know if I if I ever have had an issue with this movie, uh, and a very slight issue, um, if it even is one, but uh, really it was voiceover. I find it a little bit drolly. I find that he draws a little bit. Nah, 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 I was nah, assuming nah. that was deliberate, though. Sort of, he's jaded, yeah, jaded inflection. Jaded, and when he says at the start, the very famous line at the start about. Uh, as long as, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Um, mm. You know that when he's this kid here, he's excited by the life and the glamour and wants you know, respect and power. But Henry, from the end of the film, that speaks at the beginning. Not mm. that sounds like it makes a great deal of sense, but like, you know what I mean? Uh, he's jaded and he's thinking, what have I done? And so. I, I guess it makes sense. It's almost like, you know, I'm only telling you this story because I have yeah, His to. affect by that point is quite flat, um, which is why I think mm. the, the draw was deliberate. I do think that's a choice. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like a choice. Almost as if almost as if he's uh, as if he's delivering this in a police interview room or yeah, something. Possibly. Certainly, uh, oh, I've always felt so sorry for this poor I damn know, postman. All he did was do his yeah. job. And then you know he's probably going to lose his job afterwards when um, his mother complains that they get the no mail at all. Get <laughs> it's good that the postman will know exactly which letter comes from the school. <laughs> I just dumped all of them. <laughs> What's this is suggestion though that that's that violence is uh, their first resort rather than their last though. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they have strong negotiation skills. These gangsters. Yeah, very root one, <laughs> like like the Wimbledon team in the eighties. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's such an obscure reference. <laughs> Let's just be grateful. Up the field, get faster, bash Let's just be grateful Benny Jones doesn't turn up in this, eh? 
barbecue. Oh, such a nice barbecue. Mm. I really want one of those sausages. <laughs> um, obviously, when you watch this film, um, it feels like this is authentic and it feels real. Having listened to mm. somebody talk about it who grew up in Italian-American neighbourhoods in the 1970s, uh, this is apparently very, very accurate. The way these people would meet at the weekends, how they would cook, what they would wear. So Scorsese being the great observer that he is and this being a a time and a place that he knew very well has put so much effort into getting period details spot on so that mm. anybody who grew up in this neighbourhood would or this type of neighbourhood would recognise it immediately. Uh, and even though, as I say, we can't know that it's authentic, it just it feels it. I think when a filmmaker puts in that sort of effort, it always comes across. Well, and not just the effort on on Scorsese's part, but the actors as well. Um, there's there's a certain way these guys carry themselves that lends it real authenticity. And I don't I don't think I've. It's one of those few films where I'm not really aware of anybody acting, um, or certainly these sort of um, secondary characters. You you kind of know that these are all guys who grew up mm. around us. Um, and that there's not <laughs> there's not a lot of method involved. I would imagine for um, for Raylio, possibly De Niro and 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 Pesky, there's there's a bit of that going on. But a lot of these guys, like um, you know, characters like Polly Cicero, um, I, they just kind of they just kind of are the characters that they're supposed to be. And I, I I've never found myself questioning anyone's or or thinking, oh, you know, that was a yeah, the delivery of that line gives it away or. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, this kid's got got no clue what it was like growing up at that point <laughs> in that place, but he still does a pretty cool job. It's the, it's the sheer nonchalance of people. Look at the way he carries himself to the door here. He's not even looking at the guy who's been shot. He's looking at the kid. Yeah, um, because yeah, for him, it's like. This is a nuisance. You go away. You don't. Somebody's come to your door bleeding. It's no big thing. You just want to make sure the the kid does the the right job. Doesn't care about the guy at all. Hmm. All he's interested in the laundry bill. Yeah. All he's interested in is the fact that Henry's ruined eight aprons or whatever. It does, and it just does such a good job of of making this look like an appealing lifestyle, right? Who doesn't want to be a part of this? Everybody's having fun until they get a, until they get shot in the back of the head. Oh, well, I don't know. That looks like a lot of men. <laughs> Bit of a sausage fest. The old mafia isn't, isn't it? Well, actually, yeah, there is that. There is that. But then, I mean, as we see later on, they've all got they've all got multiple women on the on the on the back burner as well. Yes, it doesn't look like the most enjoyable room. It's got you right, but as for the appeal of the the lifestyle, absolutely sell that right from the beginning. You, you see why this kid wanted to mm. join this lifestyle. It's just it's so glamorous looking. These people have respect. They have money. Uh, they seem to be just having fun. They've got fucking. They don't awesome have any suits. responsibilities. It seems. They've basically <laughs> never grown up. Yeah. They're just acting out their egos and id the way everyone else would. That's, I assume, why it would be a feeling for a kid. Yeah. 
Oh, the bank accidentally gave me an infinite student loan. For me, like the most interesting thing, or one of the most interesting things about the movie is to contemplate the fact that had Scorsese not um, taken the path he had in the in the uh, the arts, that he he may well have been enveloped in this um, this lifestyle. He, he kept very he kept very close yeah, to it for Scorsese a long period. Scorsese was was always the outsider, and it's why um, the character of Young Henry is so interesting because there's an analog with him and Scorsese that. They were the outsider, the observer, mm. seeing this life going on around them. Scorsese very famously is like this young, kind of unhealthy, asthmatic, growing up in these Italian American neighborhoods and seeing this. But he decided what he would do would document it, whereas Henry decides no, he wants to join it. And look, and here's here's the thing here as well. They understand the relationship that the the mafia had with them. Um, had with the public and with the officials, with the police that left them able to operate. If you were if you were an average guy in the street, you didn't have to worry about one of these guys killing you. Um, they would sell you, they would sell you cheap cigarettes and cheap this and that. They were they were they were servicing the community in in what appeared to be an incredibly altruistic way. Um, nobody really worried too much about it. They were probably they weren't they weren't people for the ordinary man to worry about. And that, I mean, that helped them operate for such a such a long time. That coupled with the with the knowledge, of what would happen to you if you uh, if you decide yeah. to rat anyone out? If you decide to inform on anyone, spectacularly corrupt police force as well. That's it, exactly. Now, really, you can see how these guys were able all be able to operate with such impunity. Yeah, I think, like you're saying, with the community that's around the local thing. Some people might see them as a genuine benefit. Other people are going to look at them and say, "These people have never done any harm to me." Can't see the the correct, yeah, exactly. um, the connection to what is happening with other things, so they think, "Oh, well, yeah, it's not it's not worth my it's not worth my while as an average yeah. Joe causing any waves." Well, it's not a good attitude, but it's understandable. An understandable one. Crazy. Um, Al, uh, um, and I like Al Pacino a lot. I'm glad he didn't pay us because Robert De Niro is brilliant in this as he is in most things up until, you know, the year 2000 when he just decided to take every bad role going. But <laughs> Al Pacino was originally considered for this role and took it, or didn't take it rather, because he um, was afraid of being typecast and then ended up playing a really, really stereotypical gangster and Dick Tracy the same year instead. Well done, Al. Mm. Superb choice, Good choice Al. Yeah, <laughs> no. not the best choice they could have made. Yeah, I think the courtroom scene there important as well in establishing the fact that for these guys, that Henry obviously went and terrified the fact that he'd been arrested, but actually to prove to prove to these guys that you could you could maintain silence, actually being arrested and then demonstrating the fact that you wouldn't give anything away is actually some sort of uh, coming of age for these guys. Apparently Sean Penn was considered for the role of uh, Ray Liotta's role there, Henry. Yes. That would have been a different film. It would have been, it would have been, um, <laughs> yeah. I can picture now that you've said that, Scott, is, uh, is Sean Penn playing Henry Hill, but somehow it being like the end of Gangster Squad? <laughs> That's a horrendous thought. Like I may have nightmares tonight. <laughs> 
Just think how self-indulgent a performance that could have been. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to Sean Penn, it's not always awful. Sometimes he can be very entertaining, but yeah, I think in this case he would just he would chew every bit of scenery going. Mm. Whereas what's so great about really odd in this film is that it's really quite reserved. Hmm. You know how I think if you are really uh, the only other person I can imagine in this role um, would have been the now late great uh, <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm not sure if you're serious there, but again, that would also have been a very different film. <laughs> he sadly passed away a couple of days ago. I came here to chew bubblegum and rob Lufthansa and them all out of bubblegum. Jimmy two times. <laughs> yep. That's one of my um, favourite lines in cinema. It's such a minor character, but it is so memorable. I, I don't actually believe he utters another word. Do we even see him again? I'm sure you see him later on in a club scene, but I may be misremembering. Guess yeah. we'll find out. But just, those names, they, they almost sound like cliches because you've seen so many gangster films and gangster parodies that have names like that, but the names are brilliant and every character just, there's even this, when they're just there for a few seconds, stands out in this film. Every character's brilliant. This weird, um, it kind of strikes me more every time I watch this film, but this weird juxtaposition between the lifestyle these guys lead and the way they run, the way the operation sort of has to run out of necessity. Um this kind of really janky thing of having to wheel a rail full of priceless mink coats through a kitchen, through a busy kitchen. That's that's what the whole film is about, though, is it's the artifice. You've got this glamour on top, Mm. this appeal, the the respect, the power, the money. But when you get down to it, it's really, for a lot of the time they're doing, it's really grubby stuff and kind of Mm. menial labour sometimes even. So they think they're, they're the big men around, they have this money, but they're doing stuff that they would deride other people for doing, you know, the regular schlub, regular, regular Joe, but actually a lot of what they're doing is like that, uh, with the occasional bit of, uh, you know, murder. This, I think, uh, I mentioned this when we discussed in our podcast recently, but it's the mundanity of the gangster life that this film does so well, because it, it doesn't glamorise something like The Godfather. It's it's almost like there's a regal quality to the Corleone family. It's it's high, um, mm. high echelons of power, and there's something royal about Marlon Brando and that. Whereas here, they're they're working stiffs, but they just happen to be criminal mm-hmm. working stiffs, and this what keeps undercutting the the glamour, so supposed glamour of the gangster lifestyle with scenes of them having to do really, really, really dull work. Yeah, there's no um, power brokering or no. politics involved in this film, particularly. It's uh, just <laughs> killing or not being killed, as the case may be. Here's, uh, here's one of your, your most famous uh, character establishing yep. scenes in any film. Apparently written by Pesci himself. He uh, <laughs> witnessed some Chicago mobsters doing this when they were drunk at some point and basically written yeah, off for, for this well. scene. Yes. And fair play to him. It's, exactly it's fair play the to best him. he's it's ever a, been. It's an absolutely crack. It's so memorable, so parodied. But uh, 
I mean, it's Budmouth. Mm. And again, the art, the artifice of these people and the way that they respond to him so over the top laughter that he himself must know that he's, you know, these people, as we'll find out in a second, these people are only yeah. laughing so hard he's because like, they're terrified of the guy. Nobody wants to be the one like person the, around the table laughing. He's like the ancient uh, emperor, laughing, sorry. you know, so the, the entire court must laugh at them. Otherwise, they, they'll find them. Like Kim, <laughs> it's like Kim Jong-il, y'all. When Pesci sells this scene so, so very well because you you do believe that mm. he's dangerous. That's the thing. That Because even right up until the end, I don't think anybody there, let alone the viewer, is absolutely certain of whether he would have hurt somebody or not. You, you do believe that it could have mm. gone anyway. Mm. Notice there's no close-ups. It's always so you can see people around him just sort of mm. increasingly on edge. They're, yeah, you it's can all see mid-shots. how this is little, little, little looks of the eyes out the side, that kind of thing. <laughs> Apparently, to... Um, According to Henry Hill, who you would imagine would know that uh, Joe Pesci's portrayal of Toby was close to 100% accurate, apart from his size. Mm. <laughs> so the tension at this moment is incredible. I actually really wanted to... I actually really wanted to reread uh, Wise Guy before, um, before we did this commentary and I've not had time to do it. I highly recommended if if you uh, yeah. if you enjoy the film, which I would imagine the vast majority of people hopefully do. Then, um, if you thought, oh, I mean, God, if anything, the character, Joe Pesci's character here, Tommy, is um, you can't imagine him being much more of a reprehensible sort of character. But if anything, the the um, the actuality of of the guy himself in real life was was even worse. Yeah, fascinating. It's book. One of- Goodfell is one of those very rare things too, where it's a film that at the beginning says this is based on a true story and you don't immediately scoff. No. Because most films where it says this is a true story generally means might have the same name as possibly happened in the same country. But from um, Mm. most accounts, Goodfell is actually quite substantially based on reality, quite accurate. Look how relieved yes. everybody is now that he's picking on someone else. <laughs> yeah. Joe Pesci has done some terrible films in his life, and he's also done some good ones, but he's never come close to being as good as he was in this film. Well, you've obviously <laughs> never seen Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. <laughs> fortunately neither have I is is this everyone involved's it's, best work do you think it's definitely Pesci's um, it's definitely Pesci, Ray Pesci definitely mm. yeah Ray Liotta himself never got anywhere near as yeah. good maybe Narc I would say seen him mm-hmm. I would say absolutely not for De Niro De Niro's not got the hugest role in this either but um, everything Taxi Driver Raging mm. Bull Godfather Part 2 for De Niro are all better yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think this. I think the scenes that De Niro is present, and I think I think De Niro's work here is is amongst his best. But yeah, obviously the film is not about 
is not about him. Um, so something like Taxi Driver probably stands as a better testament overall to his um, to his caliber. But I don't, I don't think if you're talking pounds per square foot, I think his performance here is nearly as it's good as anything else he's ever done. Paul Servino's best work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Scorsese himself. That is hard to be upset. It's my favourite Scorsese film. Uh, mm. I mean, Taxi Driver's amazing. Yeah. Raging Bill, also brilliant. Uh, it's more modern stuff. Isn't quite as good. He finally got that Oscar. They ought to have gone for this for The Departed. But, you know, that's a very good film, very entertaining. But mm. it's a remake. Which is a travesty. It's not quite as successful as this. Mm. Aviator. I didn't engage no. with the aviator. It's certainly better than, say, Mean Streets. But. Mm. Uh, now, to my eternal shame, I, I own Mean Streets and have never yeah. watched it. I, I can't. I'm well, sorry. Shame. I'm, I'm mean sorry to have I to can't relate that. to that with any other film at all. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, mm. I don't know. <laughs> it's. I think I would probably argue that, yes, this is Scorsese's greatest film. I know several people who cite King of Comedy as Scorsese's best and De Niro's best. Um, but again, not having actually watched the whole film, I haven't only Possibly. seen a piece of it. I can't really comment on that. Um, for for me, Taxi Driver, yes, probably I think for would, both well, Scorsese and De Niro. But I, en- I enjoy... I, don't know, I would possibly enjoy lean more. towards Taxi Driver for De Niro, certainly for Scorsese, probably this, but... It's weird though, when you think about Scorsese, you start thinking of things like Mean Streets and Goodfellas and you think gangster movies, but then you think, well, this man also made Hugo mm. and Kunden. He actually has made Hugo. New York, New York, which is a musical. Yeah. It's, it's hard to think about Scorsese without thinking gangster films, so it's not all he's done. But I don't know, perhaps it's, I don't know if that's because he knows mm. this world better, whether they make more of an impact or it just happens to be because these are his best films <laughs> is, is it the attitude of you're losing money hand over fist but it's yeah. all profit in a certain these, point these, guys, <laughs> these guys don't have to answer to, to margin yeah. quite as much as I do in my day to day life <laughs> I don't know, sometimes it feels a bit like it's the producer's uh, financial plan. <laughs> just, they can yeah. take all the money they want out and just hope it goes bust, because that's worked better for them. Going back to what you're asking about with whether everybody involved, if this is everybody involved's best work, it probably is for. Her name's going right out of my head. Lorraine Brackling, the woman plays Karen. Lorraine uh, Brackle. I don't think I've seen her be better. It's everybody in this film is just spot on. Man, uh, Sopranos aside, I haven't really seen her much at all. Only nowadays yeah. she's in Rizzoli and Isles, which is kind of schlocky um, police procedural stuff on TV. But 
it's everybody in this is so memorable, no matter how small Jimmy two times. Um you might not see him again, but you remember, don't you? And then Stax as well, Samuel Jackson's character. You know, sometimes we're oh yeah, Samuel Jackson. A film where perhaps Samuel Jackson doesn't quite so much play Samuel Jackson as he usually does. Mm. You do wonder exactly what his business was at the scene because yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, like, business appointments. Karen at this point obviously doesn't know he's a gangster. She doesn't really get that till the, the famous scene when they enter the club later, and mm. she and I she really begins to, to grab it. But what I always wonder at this point what he told him he does. <laughs> Regardless of what he's doing, he's sitting down at dinner with a beautiful woman and apparently can't be bothered. I find it hard to believe that whatever he has on his mind is more pressing. It just seems like he's not actually grown up at this point. So the girl like was the down in the playground yeah. and pull her hair. <laughs> Oh god, this film makes me hungry. This is actually another quite a remarkable film and it is one of only possibly a handful of films I can think of ever where a voiceover probably makes it better. <laughs> and that's a rare thing. Normally they're very, mm. very unnecessary. But then it, this it's so easy to completely missed the point at which it stops being Henry doing the voiceover and becomes Karen. You get so absorbed in the film you don't even notice the voiceover has changed. Didn't even notice her on the date before. <laughs> when he starts it. giving him a root busting his balls, then exactly becomes becomes noticeable when she starts acting like a man. All of a sudden, <laughs> she's he's in love. That's it. <laughs> this house is clean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's a, a story behind this shot that I don't quite believe, where it only came about because they was refused uh, refused permission to go in through the front door with a camera, which sounds stupid. Yeah, it seems like that would be rubbish. Yeah, because well, you can film in all the rest of it, yeah, just not the front door. You can't take your cameras no. in through the front door as you're filming, which seems mental to me. 
it's nonsense. But when people talk an awful lot about this scene, but um, and I think it's sort of they miss what's so important mm. about it too, though, is that it's there's like there's an incredible technical feat that, that everybody is on their marks in this incredible scene. But it's the effect that's so much more important than the actual technical uh, prowess of it, and that she's seeing sort of the the analogy and the metaphor of gangster life. She's seen the horrible underbelly where everybody's scrabbling and hot and working hard, and then she sees the glamour, and then she's just sort of this whirl of experiences and sounds that are around her till she actually gets to see the glamour. That's what they claim it's and all one about. Or two people who quite clearly can't help but look at the camera at some point. So so many if you go if you watch this back, go back through the scene and watch everybody but um but the couple and so many of them end up staring straight down the barrel of the cameras. Yeah. And you have to you have to imagine this Scorsese's just like, Oh Jesus, I just I, <laughs> this is the you know, we can't we can't do it again. At least he's resisting doors to CG them all out or give them walkie talkies or something. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> Set CG shades on them all. <laughs> this expression on her face there is brilliant. She's really confused, but you can see she's like weighing up whether she wants to leave or not. But there's something's grabbing her. See, for me, um, I mean, because obviously we've, we've seen sort of longer tracking shots by this point now, single takes. Um, than, than this scene but for me what fascinates me about it shooting on film is um, because we go through three different environments we go from outside in the street mm. through a kitchen into the club and the lighting's changing the whole time this um, honestly the, the, the lighting guys and the camera and the uh, camera operators must have everything must have been planned to within a lumen of its of its life um, because obviously mm-hmm. these guys can't change the uh, they can't change the aperture, I would assume, of the camera um, on the fly. So <laughs> crazy. Yeah, and there was no nineteen ninety. You can just say, "Ah, oh, we'll fix it in post." No, we'll just grade it. it yeah, computer and fix yeah, it wasn't it edited digitally. You can't just grade it as you go. Um, crazy to think it goes from street light to brightly lit kitchen to club lit by table light and then the camera goes uh, the lights go down crazy yeah because what's so impressive about that is, is you don't exactly. notice you don't think about that at all unless you were trying as you're doing it like to particularly analyze it but you just accept it. it changes like your eyes change Tribute. tribute, yeah. <laughs> Always talking about tribute. <laughs> Not a cut, it's a tribute. That's it. Still, it's yeah, all going back to very, the emperors of this, isn't it? It's very, very yeah. wrong, yes. It's not a percentage. It's an emotional thing. And again, the notion that any of these guys are motivated by loyalty or emotion is all is all part of the artifice. The, the very notion that you'd call it a tribute is as, as though it's out of genuine respect as opposed to just uh, and not fear, fear and process. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they claim to you know, live by honour and stuff and well, yeah. they don't really. He's such a gormless guy, this Bruce. 
So it's quite interesting to see just how uncomfortable Henry looks around people mm. that he probably considers of a different social class to himself too. And, but he probably is richer than now. And certainly without too much trouble could have that guy killed. He doesn't really have the social skills to talk to people like that, does he? He's a- no. <laughs> one night one night Ken Dodd sent a bottle of Tizer to the table <laughs> <laughs> how tickled she was Oh, Maury. <laughs> I think this is my second most uh, quoted line from this movie that I find myself sort of randomly repeating in a day-to-day way. Maury's wigs don't come off. <laughs> even even uh, under the water. Apparently this, uh, the adverts there was inspired by a real life a really low budget advert for a window company mm. and Scorsese managed to find the guy who did it um, found the spokesperson in the ad and got him to write it for him no way. so authentically shit adverts <laughs> above the vig two to three, I was going to say two to three points above the vig <laughs> Don't come off. I like to think that, that his reaction there wasn't planned and that the wig thing was accidental, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love to think that that's really uh, genuinely having a laugh and Bobby Bobby D somehow managing to stay in character. <laughs> Today. Today. He must really love the sound of his own voice to have his own commercial running on a loop in his shop. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's a powerful ego. This is supposed to for the moment when you know it's true love between them. Did mm. yeah. <laughs> you see some beat a guy up and then here, hide this gun. <laughs> All right then.
I just love a wee Saturday night special tucked into the waist. <laughs> In retrospect, not the most wise opening line. No. <laughs> know how the character's actually written to, but if this was real life and I saw somebody with eyes that looked like Ray Liotta's coming up towards me looking angry, mm. I wouldn't open with that line. I'd just apologise immediately for whatever it was. I would be more scared if he was smiling, though. That is pretty thoroughly hidden. Yeah, no one's going to find that until, well, the milkman. I was going to say until <laughs> next morning when the milkman goes to it. <laughs> and who's to say there's going to be anything inside of a box? <laughs> this scene just further uh, compounds the idea that there's some sort of code of honour between them. When she gets very upset, well, rather worried that all that money's lying there and saying, mm. you know, the idea of there being order among thieves, that nobody's going to steal this money from you. It's, this is the safest place you can be. Very possibly. Except they would kill you without thinking about it. <laughs> They're strange people, these mafiosos. <laughs> Peter, Polly, Polly Jr., Peter Jr., Peter Polly. <laughs> I've wondered, is that true, or is it just a little embellishment? That for some reason they've all got to have Marie involved for some reason. That has got to be the name. Yeah. So I also we- assumed that was a Catholic thing. That perhaps that was mm. a large part of why. Uh, that's simply conjecture on my part though <laughs> it would be quite interesting to go and find the real people involved and see if there's a statistically significant number of Marie's I'm just thinking I might be starting an internet dating company uh, <laughs> largely for people called Marie and people wanting to find people called Marie <laughs> MarieMe.com that's exactly the phrase that was in my head <laughs> This film has such spectacular shirt collars. <laughs> Love it. Actually, the wardrobe is a, such a huge part of um, such a huge part of the the whole the trick of um, creating that authenticity of the period. 
it's, it's amazing to sit and look at some of these some of these costumes. Scorsese's always taken his, his costume department very seriously, and it, mm. it really pays off in something like this. Now, it's everything about this film, though. The furniture, for instance, here, mm. uh, like we said earlier, when the, the way they're dressed at their barbecue, the cars, everything just seems right. There's nothing out of place. And even if you don't know, you feel that it's authentic, which mm. for film is really the point. Mm-hmm. The care he takes is really, really important. Oh, the amount of time and effort put in by these people just for you to take a first glimpse and just go sold and then not, not think about it again. It's what makes the difference between a master filmmaker and a hack, though. Mm. And it's why the film is so much better. To be honest, I could have stood for a little less authenticity when it moves to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can always feel the static electricity coming off of all the nylon, <laughs> can't you? I'm sure sometimes <laughs> this house just is clean. Like, <laughs> like nope. <laughs> it's the way he laughs here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love the fact that one of the women there looks like she's getting dressed up for Roland Braveheart. Mm. Half her face all blue. (laughs) (laughs) Finny would kill him, please. The amount of artificial aesthetic materials in this. Oh, I can just hear the crackling. Mm. <laughs> it's really those people that are in construction, not, not Henry. I'm not sure what the benefit of that blue stuff would be. It doesn't look like it's doing anyone anyone good. Yeah. It's on such a specific area of her face too. Mm. The strange thing to think about because as we're saying with this being the best role of almost everybody involved and how great Karen and Henry are, Lorraine Bracco and Meliotta, it's you see this a lot about lots of different films, but apparently Tom Cruise and Madonna were the producer's first choice for the roles of Henry and Karen. That's right. the strangest casting idea I've heard in quite a while. I can't imagine how that would work. I can really? see, I, yeah, I can see Tom Cruise to an extent, but pairing with Madonna, I'd have difficulty. I'd have difficulty buying someone with Tom Cruise's profile in this role. Um, 
but not I, I th- he's, an, he's an accomplished enough actor to I'm sure have done a good job of it but I just I think part of the problem from something like that looking back at whenever you and only ever it is only ever mentioned around films where the casting has worked out so well mm. um, and that's kind of the problem is that these people slip into these roles so well and it's become so iconic that pretty much any other name that you mention sounds crazy mm. yeah um yeah, I can I can imagine Cruz having taken a good stab at it because he's an accomplished actor. But what? Well, yeah, I kind of struggle to think what they were thinking about when they were considering Tom Cruise and Madonna. Yeah, of course, Madonna also went on Dick Tracy. So, I can only imagine it was she's she's of Italian lineage. She'll do. <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> So I think this is not a case to, as well as it being sort of now iconic casting, but because really Otto was basically unknown at the time, I actually think for being, for him being your way into this world, this guy you've not seen before mm. actually works better. Um, yeah, because a good number of established actors come with a certain familiarity and a weight of expectation, yeah. that, and for many, you know, quite often that's why there's they're hired for a particular role but yeah this is definitely one of those cases where somebody was largely unknown yeah. um, turned out to be a huge yeah, benefit because when you see De Niro's in it uh, that makes sense because actually it works him being established because he's the established gangster here you see him from the start he's, he's already in this world when you start with Henry yeah in the context of the yeah, when you start with Henry getting into the world and this is your way in so it's somebody you don't know does work better whereas Tom Cruise at the time as an example just a couple of years, I think, after Top Gun, his stars very much in the rise, it, it wouldn't have had quite the same impact. <laughs> Look at that wardrobe. <laughs> Practical. <laughs> the Vic Kitchen needs a swan. Especially a highly <laughs> authentically uh, patterned one. <laughs> What a bizarre ornament. I've never noticed that before. <laughs> you know, I'm not entirely sure I have either. Just, it, it's interesting. It's there. And it's pink and black hazard striped.
Hey, your old belly bats. Unhinged and psychotic as Tommy is, you can sort of understand him at least attacking him for the way he talks to him. Mm. The killing, not so much perhaps, but if your belly bats has something coming here. <laughs> oh, Jimmy's look there. One of, one of many amazing just sort of glances. Just gl- for a fraction of a second glancing over at, uh, at Tommy to see about his reaction is. Oh, he wouldn't let it lie. He, he wouldn't let it lie. And actually, uh, immediately after, I think the only time in the film that um, Tommy unexpectedly sort of says, hey, okay, no problem. Let it, I'm going to let it lie. Yeah. Probably the one time anyone's given that opportunity. <laughs> It just it's further propagates the matter. There should be some sort of respect here that people mm. should love each other and you know submit to him because he's more senior, not just because you, know, you could have him killed. They all live in a little fantasy world. Here comes trouble. <laughs> Jimmy the gent there. That's it. I think this. I think this is possibly the film's only sort of scene of sort of sustained brutality of any kind. Yeah, I can't immediately think of anything. Else. There's there's violence, but nothing like that. 
most of it's over quite quickly, isn't it? Jimmy the Gent Conway. I think that just means he wears nice shoes when he stamps in your face till you die. <laughs> mm. Yay. <laughs> That's a, a really weird sort of. That's just such a brilliant expression on Ray Otter's face there, too. Now he says, I don't want to get blood in your floor. Right? <laughs> oh. Well, thanks for your consideration there. Those are the words you're saying to me right now if you just killed someone in my restaurant or bar. Uh, Mama Scorsese. Mama Scorsese, yeah. She is possibly the one person in here yeah. that is so obviously um, um, not not an actor isn't quite the way I wanted to put it, but she doesn't feel as comfortable as everybody else, but she's still really memorable and very entertaining, so you kind of forgive that because she fits mm. the role well. Yeah, seemingly most of this is improvised as well. So I assume mm-hmm. you just thought, yes. right here, mom, just go and talk to these yeah. people. Mom, <laughs> go and just like, you know, be your mom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Remember to show yeah, your painting. Love to, it's it, it's the mundanity of the the violence in their lives that that is so everyday because yeah. they've killed someone. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll just have a stop for a wee a meal and a chat, you know, because it's. It's not like any different from having failed our paperwork for the day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kenry looks uncomfortable here, but Jimmy and Tommy are absolutely at ease. Um, and the fact that they've killed someone yeah. doesn't bother them at all. She just happens to have it at the table. She's been waiting for a way to force that into the conversation. Ah, see, we were right, you were wrong, Craig. <laughs> the guy's the guy saying, What do you want from me? One score east, what one score you west, so what? <laughs> Love it, they're laughing about the guy who's in the trunk of their car. <laughs> and ties us back to the, yep. the opening <laughs> scene of the film.
You're a spider. Mm. One of the uh, taglines for the movie posters there, <laughs> shooting people is no big deal. And in the typical uh, abbreviated style of the time these days, one of the taglines, and I'm amazed this fit on a poster, is in a world that's powered by violence on the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. <laughs> at which point there can't be much <laughs> space left for pictures of the characters, isn't it? Let's say 140 characters or less, guys. That's an unwieldy tagline. you got to tweet this. At least, you know, in some way connected to the film, unlike every other tagline ever. Yes. <laughs> You'll badly misjudge the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> the notion the notion that the problem is with what she's saying and not his uh, insecurity around it. <laughs> I've just, sorry, the timing of it couldn't be any better. Uh, after we're talking about, we'll probably end up talking some more about food and whatnot, but when I was saying earlier that this, oh God, this movie makes me hungry anytime we see it, I've just had a, I've just had a text from my mum. We're going, I'm driving up tomorrow to, to visit our, our folks, and I've just had a text from my mum saying, do you fancy lasagna? <laughs> Tell her only if she, only if she cuts oh. the garlic with a razor blade for you. That's it, so that it almost liquefies in the pan. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm not convinced that's the best way to do garlic. I've, I believe me, I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't keep my razors in the cutlery drawer, so that's a pain. No, no. I've I've tried it with a a very finely sharpened paring knife. And uh, I would, I would argue that it's the amount of effort one puts in is not proportional <laughs> to the amount of benefit one tastes in the finished product. I really want to go and oh, I want to start cooking something now. I'm not even. No, I really want to just have a big it. pot of sauce that needs stirring. That's it. Hey, that thing.
sure. I do sometimes wonder exactly why Maury's in this gang so closely. Yes. He owns a wig yeah. shop. It doesn't seem like he should be running with this crowd. That, you can't it's never really explain, does it? Basically, he's in with the cool kids, isn't he? So perhaps he just tries to instigate himself around it. Why do they keep him around? Yeah, perhaps but why, why them. are they... Yeah, why are yeah, they entertain so him upon one can them only himself. imagine? I can't... Um... Possibly. I can't remember if the character's referenced all that much in the, the book, Wise Guy. Yes. It's a glamorous life, isn't it? Ugh. I say you can you just don't And this was just a, don't imagine Michael the Corleone spending a morning washing out dead body smell from the boot of his car, do you? <laughs> yeah. I've always thought this was very tasteful. Very under understated decor. Yeah. Everything's so gaudy. <laughs> I love that's a very, very nebulous brief. That's going to be a nightmare for the HR department to deal with. <laughs> um. So Janice, uh, we've issued you with your new contract and job description. Um, if you have any questions, let us know. <laughs> but uh, basically, you can do whatever you want. Yes. <laughs> You're a shop assistant without portfolio. <laughs> Michael Imperioli, by, purely by chance, I was listening to an interview with him uh, two days ago um, in which he was asked about this. And uh, his first, um, pretty much his first gig after uh, finding a, an agent. Uh, and none of this apparently scripted, uh, or very loosely scripted anyway, and all very improvisational. And he um, basically decided the best way to go about it, because he doesn't want to interfere with the guys like uh, De Niro um, and their method. Um, was that he said to Scorsese he would just listen I'm just going to kind of tend the table and be the bar guy and in between takes would fetch people drinks and and uh, clean the tables fetch the glasses 
He's like an evil Yosemite Sam, isn't he? Literally see it there, but he's supposed to. When Spider dropped the glass there, he's supposed to have cut his hand on a glass, and uh, he was then taken to hospital. And the ER were quite worried because they saw this gunshot wound in his foot, <laughs> and had to go, "Oh no, that's just special effects. It's like a small cut in his hand." It's like, yeah, go back to the back of the queue with you. <laughs> I just love that in that scene. Tommy's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa what's the problem? I'm the victim here. His foot is in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, what are you upset about?" <laughs> I told him to dance. The instructions were quite clear. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor spider, they're not smart enough to learn. I mean, you, you can understand why he talks back to Tommy, but it's not smart. <sighs> but the thing is, clearly, none of these guys are expecting the reaction. Yeah, they're, they're, they're laughing, they think, oh, the kids got. Got some balls, you know, and then but the look in Joe Pesci's face, again, it's, it's why is this such a good performance from him? It's you just you believe that he's going to hurt someone that he could hurt someone so easily there. I mean, if you were in the room with him at the time, you'd be afraid of him, even though he's just an actor. Some of the expression in his face and the way his eyes are, is that he's frightening as a character. Mm. Really, really convincing.
It's almost shocking when you realise she's got the kids with her. (laughs) Don't know what the big deal is here. This is pretty much my alarm call every morning. (laughs) I can imagine that being the first thing you wake up to see. May I suggest counselling, Greg? <laughs> this is our therapy. Well, the happiest family scene. No. <laughs> she ends up apologising. Marley Martin Scorsese has said that Marlon Brando tried to persuade him not to make this film. Do you think he was just worried that it would take away the shine from The Godfather? (laughs) Don't make this, it'll make my film look less good. So as was brought up, there's really not a lot of similarity between them. No. Subject matter aside, and even then, 
It's almost the, the vague really concept is. of gangsters. No. Is. I mean, really, there is. Because it's perhaps worth mentioning now, and we've, we've touched on it a little already, but people compare the two so often. But mm. they are they are so different. This is very much watching almost documentarian thing. Like, this is what gangster life is really like. Whereas the Godfather, Godfather is, is the myth. Yeah, it's the myth. The um, sort of the royal nature of the family. Uh, and trying to compare them is you're in hiding to, no, to nowhere because they're so different. It's like, well, they're gangster films, they have to be com- comparable. Well, no, actually. Hashtag Cecil. <laughs> That's going to have a lot of meaning for somebody listening to this any more than like three weeks after the news cycle's over. <laughs> Look, that, that assassinated line is living our hearts forever. Yeah, I'm not sure it's even in my heart now, man. The first time I saw something about some sort of news story with Cecil Lyon. I was trying to remember if that was the name of the lion that's to do with road repairs in Britain. Always nice to have some drain cleaner before you go on <laughs> a John Top River. <laughs> Henry's first bit of time. I guess you've got all the time in the world to slice your garlic with a razor, but steak. No, not if you're <laughs> intending to eat it that evening, as opposed to at the end of your stretch. Uh, it's a thing <laughs> that, that for these gangsters being in prison, their life isn't substantially worse than it was out of prison. Oh, if anything, they've got less yeah. of the annoying distraction. <laughs> Yeah, okay, Craig, now I'm with you, now I'm hungry. <laughs> oh. I gotta have the pork, that's the flavour. Look at that. He's working on that like he's Michelangelo, <laughs> isn't he? He's, like, he's labouring on his masterpiece there by cutting uh, garlic with a razor blade. 
It's the most important thing in the world, Tim. Flipping steak. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> an aristocrat. Man, look at this fancy guy not want to ruin his, ruin his steak. <laughs> I always wondered why a prison had a wing that was basically a small <laughs> apartment for gangsters. This is it's a strange thing to, to budget for, isn't it? I love that, I love that his bottle of whiskey or whatever he's got there has got a little tag around it with Polly written on it. <laughs> Obviously it's from Prison Santa. You think he'd just been down to the shops. Being in prison is no hardship for gangsters. Uh, this is where it all went wrong for him. Doing so well and was so stable up until now. He had a good steady job and he ruined yeah. all his drugs. <laughs> a healthy marriage. Uh <laughs> 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 I don't know why that guy bothers to sort of look furtively about. <laughs> I'm being subtle, hey. The registry here when she signs in. Well, that's this one's coming. She sees Janice Rossi's name. Look at the name below it. Mm. Slender man. Yeah. Well, it, it flashes past an instant, but it says, here we go. Bali Busteris. <laughs> <laughs> And you've visited by Anne Ballbusters. <laughs> Massive salami on it's the table. It's the most ridiculous. Almost cartoonish coat, isn't it? Filled with all that stuff. And I'm not immediately clear on what the plan is to smuggle that stuff back to the cell anyway. Or does he bother? Well, the, the guard there is clearly looking away. It's like, I, I can't see any of this. Hmm. <laughs> it's just it's amusing that. Um, what is so important to these gangsters in prison is that they have to have some parmesan. Yeah, the good stuff. <laughs> None of that prison it, parmesan. It's the real deal. It's the proper <laughs> parmigiano Reggiano from Italy. <laughs> None of your pre-grated rubbish. 
the prison veal comes from such <laughs> an inferior cut. It's uh, you just can't eat it, really, can you? They're not animals, Drew. They're not animals. It's interesting that it starts getting faster paced at this point when it's not exactly been a slow, thoughtful movie beforehand. Mm. It's, but having it kick up the next gear is uh, quite remarkable. No. No, he doesn't like the house. <laughs> Them some big plates of food. <laughs> yeah, this has only just come to his attention. <laughs> I've just noticed something about these guys. Something funny about him, Henry. I can't quite put my finger on. I don't trust. I mean, him he killed guy. all those guys, but <laughs> it, it, it was the sixty-second person he murdered that I thought, well, maybe there's something a bit abnormal here. Listen, Henry. I don't know what it is, but I got a bad feeling about this kid. What do you want from me? And give her massive bags of coke. (laughs) 
Uh, Mr. Conway, I want to play a game. <laughs> oh, crikey. I don't think I'd even realised that uh, Tobin Bell was uh, yeah. was in this. <laughs> it's because as a film, it's quite low on um, creepy puppets riding a bike. <laughs> riding trikes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so tasteful. Sophistication. <laughs> This is how I imagine the inside of like Bruce Forsyth's mind while he was hosting the player cards, right? <laughs> well, I just think your, your imagination is so strange and wonderful. You've imagined the inside of Bruce Forsyth's mind. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take long, does it? I always assumed it was lots of mirrors and lists of terrible jokes. Good game, good game, Henry. Oh, I can't believe these cards tonight. <laughs> nice to see you. To see you nice. What do you want from me? He <laughs> <laughs> roast <laughs> We called him that because he loved sausage. <laughs> that's possibly the weirdest name in the whole film. Um, he, got, he got he got picked last for the football team, like, didn't he? When it came to the, it sounds like some sort of name that French soldiers would give British soldiers during World War One, right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Johnny Hedge Trimmers was uh, was the lookout guy. Cut this baby open and fill it with cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> no one will think to look in the baby. It's not that much of a stretch to imagine that somebody in that organisation may have suggested something similar. Do you think that's an off-the-shelf bit of kit there, that uh, speedball press? <laughs> it's, um, is that a one-off especially machined item? I think that's very bespoke. Unless they just <laughs> nip down to Gangsters or Us. <laughs> Don't know. Some of the stuff coming out of China you can pick up on eBay is... Uh... <laughs> Getting sloppy, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) 
love the fact that not one of them can resist spending the money. There's no impulse control with your regular gangster, I think. <laughs> Something could even wait no. a day. <laughs> You can almost see the gear starting to turn in. Even at this point, he's thinking, well, let's just get rid yeah, of all these people. This is the mm. moment um, in this challenge when you, you realise that Jimmy's just realised, you know what, I'll just kill everybody. It'll be easier. Yeah. yeah. Something- yeah it's almost, almost inevitable yeah. at this point. There's something about De Niro too here, whereas like Joe Pesci as Tommy always feels dangerous, but there's something about De Niro here too that isn't frightening in the way that Tommy is, but that just you know this like you don't ever want to mess about with him because you know he's just determined to kill you. Uh, I think he's calculated where yeah. Tommy's impulsive, right? Again, it's absolutely yeah. the actor sells it. It's like, it's like the people around them ought to be more frightened than they are, and they aren't. Mm. I think with his character, you probably you're always aware of the fact that you're at one end of an, an equation, and at the point at which <laughs> doing doing away with makes you the sums better is less than or equal to the hassle on the other end <laughs> yeah. of that equation. Yeah, it's gonna happen. He's so charming. Great. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. <laughs> you found yourself a wonderful psychopath there. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hey, I need the money. Surely, that surely this guy knows. Or is he outside of the loop enough that he's not really aware of how dangerous some of these people actually are? He's quite naive, Mari, isn't he? Sorry, that he's got a massive set of balls. About even Henry. Um, you think Henry's smarter, but even Henry can't resist spending the money. He has to get the biggest Christmas tree you could find. 
I think what goes with being a gangster is not an awful lot of, you know, intelligence. Although, you do have to wonder where he was shopping <laughs> if that is the most expensive treat he had. A crappy white art no, It shop. is the 1970s. Things were much less yeah. impressive back then. <laughs> It's the most expensive one they had in Poundland. <laughs> it is a hideous tree. <laughs> what puzzles me is how they've relatively restrained themselves in the decorations. Only mm. one type of ball. Yeah. It well, doesn't it's... fit with the rest of the characters <laughs> at all. Keeping it classy, isn't it? <laughs> I'm surprised that Karen's not saying those other trees you couldn't even look at. <laughs> Again, just quite how nonchalant. The last person you want offering a a green card to impunity is if he didn't act as though he had it in the first place. <laughs> 
But of course, as we know, that's not quite how it works out. Yeah, that's the moment, isn't it? So, yep. Is that there yeah, with a the flick of really, the eyebrow? I know what I need to do. They all have to die. This very famous montage with Leila playing over it. Oh, sunshine, my mom, actually, sorry. The actors and all these scenes, they feel so natural. Like you were saying earlier, Craig, so often, at no point in this rather, does anybody feel like they're acting? You never feel mm. taken out of it. Mori has no self-awareness at all, does he? <laughs> I certainly well, wouldn't walk, or so. No, I certainly wouldn't walk into a narrow alley with two two of them behind me.
Ouch. Again, it, it's so... Yeah, um, blase. Sort of, yeah, blase, so run at the mill. It's like, they, they didn't wait, they didn't, none of them were nervous, they didn't like wait for a certain time, so like, they got in the car, oh, killed him, right, he's dead now, let's leave. The violence is so routine for them. And part of the reason why so often people wouldn't see it coming. Absolutely. Nothing out of the ordinary. Murderers come with smiles. <laughs> Smiling assassin. You go in alive, you come out dead, and it's your best friend that does it. It's always worth mentioning how good the Elma Shoemaker's editing is in this film. The pacing of it is superb. It just bombs along. You never notice the running time at all. Looks like suicide to me. <laughs> Death by Cadillac. Again, <laughs> yeah, this this sequence very much increases the body count but there mm. really isn't all that much violence in the film it's strange that it has that reputation <laughs> it's been a load off for him. Yes. 
Again with those collars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That that's a substantial collar. <laughs> nearly two hours in before they explain the title. I think that's a pretty restrictive policy at some point. Yeah, in many ways I would say their nepotism is the worst thing about the mafia. It's their one real Achilles heel, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a blot on their HR policy, certainly. They are not an equal opportunities employer. <laughs> And how? Not afraid to shoot the messenger air, even when the messenger's a phone booth. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, we should have seen this coming. for Billy Bats amongst many many things <laughs> there's no they need any kind of reason whatsoever to justify their behaviour <laughs> at the end of the day it was a Tuesday And that's that. It's the point where the the editing changes again and just really sells the idea mm, the paranoics um view of being chased by helicopters. 
the, the, <laughs> the drug-induced paranoia, yes, perhaps. Absolutely. What did you have for breakfast, Henry? Amphetamines. <laughs> Again, because of it, everything about this film is so well crafted that there's such a dramatic change in editing here. It doesn't feel out of place. The juxtaposition of it with everything that's gone before it is absolutely fine. It just seems to fit the scene so well. Mm. Not just the edit as well, but quite a lot of sort of swift camera movements and, and mm-hmm. things which um there's, which there's really none of up until this point. So it, uh, it immediately conveys an entirely different... Yeah, absolutely. Because up to this point, there's, there's so many long takes. Um, stationary cameras or slow panning sta- cameras. Static mid shots yeah, and stuff. And then Suddenly here, you've got swift camera moves, quick edits that reflect his frame of mind really well, but because you're so absorbed in it, nothing feels like it's a, a crashing change that it fits to the this mood of the film, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how many brake pedals are suggesting that a car has or how many feet he has <laughs> but I think it's several <laughs> well, he looks an absolute perfect specimen of health isn't he that's it <laughs> More drugs, that'll help. Yeah. That's great, is this during this sequence? You really don't, for the first time you see it, you really don't know if he's just being paranoid or not. Because clearly he's coked mm. up. But, you know, he's a gangster, so perhaps he is being followed. And then still, in the hopes of mundanity and, and maintaining their lifestyle too, the idea that they're making this huge batch of pasta sauce and they have to keep stirring it is absolutely accurate. <laughs> And it's so weird that they can sort of put these two things together, this domestic cookery thing and planning huge drug deals.
course, nowadays you'd have to put those in a very <laughs> specific bin for recycling. <laughs> Phone the council. Can you remind me again which which coloured bin the guns go in? I think it's mauve. <laughs> I hadn't really noticed that black bar over the airline ticket before. Yeah. It's a, was it American Airlines or someone just did not want to be associated with this sort of behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> I love that he's in there. (laughs) (laughs) He just looks so healthy. (laughs) It's good how you see them as a sort of shambling zombie versions of themselves. That laugh, man. I was like, I was supposed to believe that she was so angry that she just threw several thousand dollars worth of cocaine at the door because she was pissed off. (laughs) Again, what time is it now? 
It's almost 11 o'clock here when we're recording this and I just, I just want to cook something. Again, you don't imagine if you think about gangsters and drug dealers, right, that a drug deal could be squandered because somebody doesn't have their favourite hat with them. It's a lucky hat. I need my hat. I won't fly without it. Forget about it. Practical. <laughs> it's this year's must have fashion accessory. I believe that would be drug paraphernalia. <laughs> That's maybe one of the, the only things that this film I don't like is that it perpetuates that myth that police officers test drugs by tasting it themselves. <laughs> it's alright, I didn't want to make my next performance review because my, I had drugs in my system and I got tested. <laughs>
<laughs> all the solution to all this stuff yeah. is more drugs. That'll work. It's just going to double down on it, isn't it? Yeah. all went wrong for me, really. I am but a poor, humble drug dealer. <laughs> I think there's like two scenes in this whole film with Polly where he's not cooking something. <laughs> it's like walking down the street with a frying pan with some veal in it. This is where the illusions of honour and there's been some sort of structure beyond fear and money become shattering around around Henry. A lifetime's worth a few thousand dollars. Pretending like they care anybody other than themselves. No idea the immediate danger she's in. She's absolutely trusting of her, isn't she? Hmm. 
She's just offered up that he doesn't even know she's come down there. Even in this warehouse with all my uh, plastic lined bags. And... <laughs> yeah. It looks a bit like a slaughterhouse, don't worry about it. Hang about. Maybe Jimmy the Gent's not on the up and up here. The penny hath dropped. Take a while. Oh, Jimmy didn't get to kill anyone today. That makes him a sad panda. Powerful prescription. Oh, quattro glasses. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can beat that. 
like the fact that Henry thinks he has so much leverage he can dictate where he gets put into witness protection. Yeah. Apparently, um, after the premiere of the movie, he, wa- he wandered around telling so many people that he was Henry Hill. That's the real Henry Hill, not Henry Hill. I mean, Henry Hill wandered around te- after the movie came out telling so many people Henry Hill that the FBI booted him out of wit's heck. <laughs> And this is the real arresting officer, isn't it, as well? I've yeah. completely it forgotten is. his name. Um, yeah, I also can't remember his name, but it's the guy that did actually arrest him. He's the guy over there frying sausages. Let's <laughs> go a little cups of a little camp stove in a frying pan. Yeah. This is a hat with a pan on top of it. He sits there frying sausages on his head. Don't we all?
get that fourth wall breaking ought to kill the movie dead and somehow it doesn't. Now he's a schmuck. Who wants to live like a schnook? Huh. Five years probation seems light, even given that he was a... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that'll fail. Mm. You, you would think there would be enough evidence otherwise to convict yeah. those people without really needing him to be there. But... Years for uh-huh. um, a separate crime that apparently wasn't covered under whatever deal he got for uh, yeah. going into witness protection. So he, he at least paid for some of them. Yeah. So about it, boys? Shall we go into life of crime? The, the, the food looks good. Will That's a beautiful you? No. <laughs> almost, almost makes it look worthwhile. Who is that version of my way by? Because it basically sounds like the Sex Pistols. Uh, it might said, well um, be. I keep vicious. Say yeah. Fairly sure it's a. It's one of that lot. <laughs> Bobby Vinton, played by Robbie Vinton. Tommy's girlfriend at Copa, that's very it's a very early use of the yeah, accent. Said vicious score mm-hmm. here, right? Pete Killer. Freddy no knows Frankie the Wop. Uh classic terrorized waiter. <laughs> Man with coat rack. I don't know if that's a gangster name or it was one of the Age. Hey, two times, man with the coat rack, how you doing? Yeah, Jimmy two times is so mundane and descriptive that a man with coat rack could very well be a name. Lots of atting there. Security guard with lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific bit of casting. Yeah, stands out proudly on his on his resume. Well, there you have it. I guess twenty five years young, every bit as good it still as it feels was. Feels fresh, doesn't it? It does. It's yeah. not really dated any 
in a real way, of course, because it's a period no, piece. I think or, because, yeah, it's so actually in the period that um, nothing about yeah. the the techniques or anything sort of belie when it was made. It feels like it could have been made when it was set. And still crazy to think that, I mean, good as a film as it is, that this lost out to Dances with Wheels for Best Picture at the Oscars. Just further proving that the Oscars are complete and utter nonsense. So one of our favourite films, I think it's fair to say, is no one's changed their mind over the course of the last two and a half hours, have they? Still, still holding up. <laughs> no, I find that for lots of it, just didn't have much to say because I got so absorbed with watching the film instead. <laughs> so I guess that should be should really just sign off then. Uh, yes. Until next time, I've been Scott Morris, and I was Craig Eastman, and I was Drew Tarendale. We'll catch you on the flip side. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.